Welcome back to Bearcat Rewind, episode number 75 of our podcast. And Northwest Missouri State Softball has a new coach. Naomi Tellez was announced as the new leader of the program back in early June. And today, we have her with us right here on Bearcat Rewind. We dive into Coach Tellez's background, how she got into coaching, and her new job here in Maryville. She's from San Diego, had a big-time college career. Started out at New Mexico, where she was the team MVP as a freshman, a 373 batting average, hitting five home runs, driving in 26 runs. Her final two seasons were played at DePaul. As a senior, she was first team All Big East, batting 366, 10 home runs, 50 RBIs, which is fifth most in a single season at DePaul. And she also has a ton of firsthand experience working with pitchers as a catcher and now coming off a job at the University of North Dakota as the pitching coach. So Tellez brings a good balance to the program as she heads into her first head coaching job. And it's right here at Northwest Missouri State. Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash foundation. Also, Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a local team of providers and nurses. More information at clorindahealth.com. Today we talk with Naomi Tellez about her softball upbringing, what sold her on Northwest Missouri State, and the players she looked up to when she was a kid much, much more. So hope you enjoy this interview today with Naomi Tellez. Well, joined by Northwest Missouri State head softball coach Naomi Tellez, her first head coaching gig. And, and coach, I'm curious, what's the excitement level, the nerves, what, what's the anticipation like for you right now getting ready to start your new job here in Maryville? Definitely more excited than nerves. Um, I'm really excited to lead a program, be a part of an amazing athletic department. Obviously, a little nerves do come with that as well. Um, but definitely the nervousness, I think, will kind of ease up once softball comes. You know, that's the common denom- denominator everywhere that I have been in all my roles as a player, as a graduate assistant, Um so I think the nerves will kind of ease up once softball gets going. Now, when you say once softball gets going, is that next spring, or is that once players get in, workouts start in the fall, and, and kind of getting to know everybody then? Um, the fall. Once everybody gets back to campus, um, we will have some practices in the fall. Um, and then, then it's go time come the spring. But I, I enjoy the part of getting people, especially the student-athletes, Back on campus, um, it's a certain buzz in the air of a new school year, um, new people around, and I think they're all the team is also very, very hungry to get started. So, well, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, coming into Maryville, taking over this Northwest Missouri State softball program. Uh, native of San Diego, you're a standout player at New Mexico and DePaul. When did you first fall in love with the sport, and, and softball just became a part of you? Um, from a young age, growing up, I have a brother, and we were a baseball, softball family. Um, it's kind of the one thing that really consumed all of our summers. Um, we never really took family vacations. It was, okay, where's our next tournament? And that's where our quote-unquote vacation was. Um, yeah, I mean, I did play, you know, dabbled in soccer as a kid, but this is one thing that I really, really I became good at, to be honest. And then I just kind of really 
like to learn the nuances of the game, and I it was always on TV. Baseball was always on TV, and so um, it was something that as I got older, I realized that softball can be applied, just the lessons that we learn in softball can be applied to so many other aspects of our lives. And once I kind of hit college, I realized that, you know, it's yes, it's a game, but it's a game that has taught me so much. And so that's what I wanted to kind of get my way of giving back. And what I'm so passionate about is really helping young women who are, you know, 18 to 22 years old, figure out who they want to be in life, using softball as a vehicle to bring us all together. Um, and then, you know, help them really just become successful people. So, um, yeah, growing up in California, it was a great, great state to play ball in. <laughs> we played literally year round. Um, no rainy days. That wasn't a thing. So, um, it was, it was good. It was good growing up and this being the sport that I gravitated to. Well, you mentioned that the weather's always perfect. You've seen your fair share of not so perfect weather since leaving San Diego with playing uh, DePaul and then coaching up in North Dakota, a little bit of time in Nebraska as well. So you haven't had quite a Maryville winter yet, and so that will be your true test once you get here because it's, it's something else here. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's a, a story for a later date once you, you get here on campus and get a, get a feel for that. But um, you talk about helping these players come in here and, and you know, despite being 18 years old and essentially adults once you step foot on campus and, and being in college. I mean, this is still very formidable years for a student-athlete's life and not only trying to go out there and, and hit a softball and, and, and throw strikes, but also just kind of focusing on classes and relationships and, and everything that goes into it. You really are more than just a coach or, or a tutor, even if you're talking to them about classes. It's You're a mentor in helping them get to that next level. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest things that even throughout my playing career is, you know, I knew that I wanted to be a coach probably my junior year of college because the coaches that I have played for really left that impact on me. Um, and I I know that they think, they think they're adults and they're 18 years old and they're away from home and they're like, I can do this. And then life really hits them in the face sometimes and it's, no, I'm like, I can't. And that's where they turn to, you know, sometimes, you know, yes, it's their teammates, but more than likely it's going to be their coach who's going to help navigate the difficulties of life. Um, and like you said, it's classes, it's relationships, it's time management through all those things. And yet, you know, we expect them to perform on the field. And, and so that's why I think the one thing that I really enjoy is how coaches can put life into perspective for these young young men and women that, you know, come into college and sports everything, but it's really not everything. And so it just helps us bring us together, and then we can put life into perspective for them. Was it just the experience of being a, a upperclassman and a leader on a softball team that made you feel like you wanted to be a coach? Or were there a couple of coaches that took you under their wing as you're coming up, whether it was youth leagues or up into high school and college, that kind of helped you say, you know what, I want to have that relationship with someone else, and I want to have that kind of impact on their lives the way they did on mine. I mean, from a young age, my my dad was kind of the one that pushed my brother and I to become better athletes, um, and I think there's always that fine line, um, you know, how hard do you push and whatnot, but my dad was really good about, you know, only pushing certain 
at certain times he knew when to, you know, step back. But as he got older, he was kind of always that driving force in our ears. You can be better. You can do more. And, and, and we could growing up. And so um, just kind of have somebody in your corner. And, you know, my family has been in my corner throughout this whole my whole um, playing career and now into my um, coaching career. And then once I really hit college, um, all my coaches at New Mexico really, really – helps me kind of develop to be that leader. Um, being a freshman, you're not really viewed as a leader, but being a catcher, um, it was kind of, you know, you have no choice but to be the leader. And so I, I was kind of given the confidence to, you know, lead by example, not just be such a vocal leader. And then when I went to DePaul, um, you know, just having the opportunity to play for a Hall of Fame coach under Eugene Lenti, he was – he was somebody that would give you the shirt off his back, but then would push you extremely hard on the field. And it was just to see that two different sides of of, some, of a head coach, like that was possible. Like I could have a relationship with him. I and mean, then he will be, you know, my biggest cheerleader throughout. And I'm still, you know, chat with him to this day. But to have that relationship with somebody that I could be pushed, but also at the same time I know – if I ever needed anything, I could, you know, reach out to him. And so that kind of made me realize, oh, my gosh, like, I can do this. <laughs> I can have that relationship with these players um, in the most vulnerable years of their lives while also pushing them to be better athletes as well. And now getting that chance, taking over a program for the first time here at Northwest Missouri State. And, you know, initially seeing the press release, seeing who's named head coach, and then it's kind of going through and like, all right, What's the background? What what what, comp, what kind of coach is she going to be? What should we expect out of Northwest softball? And you see, pitching coach at North Dakota. You know, my mind immediately goes to run prevention, play clean defense. You know, that's how you're going to yeah. beat teams, low scoring. But you swung a pretty big bat in college, didn't you? Like, <laughs> you might see some big bombs from Northwest. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I I mean, I you know, I do and still enjoy getting in the cage with them and hitting and you know as I was done playing one of the assistant coaches when I was at the polls said you know if you're going into coaching you really need to be a pitching coach and that was the first time I really kind of opened my eyes to okay you know what do I have to do and being a catcher I was in every bullpen and that's kind of been my role for the past past five years um when I was a GA and now as an assistant but um I definitely I definitely love the offensive side of it just from being a former hitter uh, it also takes a lot of pressure off pitching and defense um but i will say you know obviously pitching is huge in our game right now um and the less runs that we allow <laughs> the less we have to generate um because i do well i do believe that like pitching and defense is is the one thing that can be a constant or it's hitting you know hitters become streaky. You know, we have our high highs, we have our low lows, and sometimes, you know, that's kind of contagious throughout the team. And so pitching and defense is going to be kind of a cornerstone. And then our offense, you know, we'll have it, we'll hopefully keep steady. But, um, yeah, that's really where, you know, the focus is going to be is really tying down the defense and the pitching. Well, and as a catcher, you kind of saw that mental side of the game with uh... – the pitcher and the hitter and, and that game that goes on throughout that kind of cat and mouse. But mm-hmm. even if you give up that mistake, which inevitably you might leave a pitch up at some point that they're mm-hmm. going to drive, but it yep. kind of has to go back to 
limit the damage. Keep runners off base. Yeah. If they hit a solo home run, that's fine. But it's a matter yes. of keeping your team right there in it. Yes, no, and, and you're 100% right. And I think, you know, being a pitcher, we're okay with giving, like the home runs are going to happen. Right, it's but it's what is going to lead up. Are we going to walk somebody and then give up the home run? That's going to hurt a little bit more. Same thing with defense. Do we make a mistake and then a home run happens? But I also think too, once we do give up the home run, it's how do we respond back to that? What happens after that? Can we stop the bleeding from happening? Um, and just like you said, limit the damage. Well, as you come into this, starting up at Northwest Missouri State this year, your first head coaching gig. Obviously, when you go through, you want the selection committee to like you, of course. But on the flip side, they want you to like Northwest Missouri State, especially if you're that top candidate. They want to sell you on the Bearcats and the culture and the campus and everything about it. What was it like as you kind of got to know Northwest Missouri State University, Maryville, the athletic department, and and what sold you on wanting to be a Bearcat? I think it was the championship culture that – is within the athletic department. Um, Obviously football has had its great history as well as men's basketball. And when I went on my interview and I met with some of the players, and this is the one thing that really hit home to me is they said, we're surrounded by national championships, programs that can win national championships. And they said, why not us? And to be surrounded by that is, like just brings a smile to my face because that's what we all work for, right? The competitor in us says, let's go win championships. And so just to be surrounded by that is something that really got me excited. I also, I enjoy the Midwest, even though I'm from Southern California. The Midwest is really a place that I enjoy calling home. Um, I enjoy the small town. I enjoy, you know, the community feeling and especially Maryville being so supportive of Bearcats athletics is there's there's nothing more that you know a, a young new head coach could ask for is the support of a community so well as you step in you, you get to meet with some of the players you talked earlier about they're hungry and, and they why not us right yeah yep. that has to make it a little bit easier too of you have to come in you have to start recruiting and, and, and get some new athletes coming in at the same time but to have a solid base that says we're willing to put in whatever work necessary to get there that makes for an easier transition, too. Yes, and I think when I left for my interview, there was like a, a newly lit fire of, yep, they're hungry. So it's like it makes you also want to pour in as much as you possibly can to them because they're willing, they're eager, um, you know, and that's not always easy in a coaching change. Um, but the fact that they're excited and they want to win they want to be a part of a championship program um it's just i won't say it makes it easier but it makes it that much more um exciting and hopefully a little bit easier (laughs) well we're getting set for uh, i guess your first official day july 1st coming up a little bit later on this week one of the next big things is you know finding an assistant coach kind of rounding out that coaching staff Mm -hmm. what's that process like is that something that doesn't start until you're on campus once I kind of figure everything out, um, that it will be the next step is hiring an assistant coach as well as a new graduate assistant. Um, I think I always tell people, like, I don't need two more of myself. I want somebody who has their own voice, 
um, is willing to share it, um, but also has the same passion for the game and for the young women that we're going to be coaching that I that I also have. Um, and so I'm very excited because I finally get to create a staff, which is very fun for me. Um, and also, too, hiring a GA, that's where I learned so much. Um, and so I, I look forward to kind of helping a GA through the ranks, and especially if coaching is something that they want to do um, in the future as well. Now I got to give a little bit of advice real quick. So once you get to know the SID Colin McDonough, he claims he's a great softball player, and uh, he might try to throw his hat in the ring. Don't believe a word he says. So just go ahead and toss that application (laughs) out. (laughs) Maybe slow pitch? Uh, He claims he's a good second baseman in slow pitch, but I'm not buying it. Okay. Okay, okay. I've got got a few off-the-wall questions, and then I'll let you go. But when you're Googling Northwest, because, of course, the job comes open, thinking about applying, you have to go to Google and see what it says. Was there anything in the search that kind of made you scratch your head or, like, wonder, like, what's going on in this town? Not really. Solely because I've been to a smaller town. Um, Concordia, when I was a GA, I was in Concordia, Nebraska, and that was a town of, like, 8,000 people. And so when I saw, oh, 12,000, like, oh, I can do this. (laughs) (laughs) And And so that's why, like, it wasn't that alarming um, and especially once I got there for the interview and, you know, the, like I said, the town is really inviting. The people in Maryville are so kind. Um, that's, that's why I enjoy being in a small town. So, Well, you'll, you'll find out more quirks once you get here. But it is a good town overall. Fourth of July is coming up. What are your traditions? What's a go-to, especially like growing up in San Diego? What are you guys doing on the fourth? Um, we usually would go somewhere where there's lots of fireworks. Um, the San Diego Bay has a huge fireworks show, and that was always fun. Um, or we would just usually have a cookout at our house. Um, and then where we actually are located, we could see, like, four different fireworks shows. Um, so that was really fun. The one thing I never got to do was in Nebraska. Supposedly, Super Nebraska was, like, the 4th of July was unreal there, and, like, the town population would quadruple. Um <laughs> which I never got to experience, but they always say that that was the 4th of July town. So. Well, you'll have to check out Mazingo Lake once you get here because it will be packed and a huge uh, fireworks display coming up this year as well. So, Oh, my gosh, that's exciting. It'll be good. It's very beautiful out there. It is awesome, very much. Um, growing up, what athlete did you look up to? Was there, was there one or two that you kind of, I mean, those were your go-to? Uh, I would say from a... Specifically, like, baseball, softball, Tony Gwynn was somebody that my brother and I watched all the time, Um, especially him being a Padre. Um, He just made hitting look so easy, and um, the way he spoke about it became so, so simple. Um, And so that's probably the one athlete that we've kind of just followed a lot of the time. I jotted down Tony Gwynn because I'm like, I mean, one of the greatest hitters of all time, Mr. Padre, it has to be. But you're a little bit younger than I am, so I'm like, well, I don't know. Might have missed that one. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, like I said, we grew up baseball, softball fans, um, went to Padre games, went to spring training out in Arizona, and and that's where, you know, he really did a lot of his work, and it was so cool because he would sit in a cage, and my brother and I would just sit there and watch him in a cage for hours on end. Um, 
because again, he made it look so easy. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Um, are you a Dodger hater since you're a Padres fan? I wouldn't say I'm a Dodger hater, but I am a very strongly opinionated Padres fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you'll get along well with us Cardinals fans here. And the Royals fans have already <laughs> fallen off this year, so <laughs> they won't like that I said that. Um, who was a better athlete growing up? You or your brother? My brother. Don't be modest. That's all right. No, he's no, he was hands down. He was. I envied him in a sense of he was the type of player that could hit for one day and then take like you know a week and a half off, go back to hitting, and everything would be okay. I had to do something over and over and over again till I couldn't get it wrong. Um, so he was definitely more gifted in the athleticism realm. <laughs> that work just builds character. That's all. Yeah. All right, last one, and this is a little bit off the wall because before I came in here, I was talking with a coworker about something, and he claimed that he had never heard of it, and I'm like, maybe I'm just too old, and so you'll, okay. you'll tell me if I'm too old or if he just doesn't keep up with pop culture and baseball and that sort of thing. Do you know what PF Flyers are? Are they cleats? I think, think they have cleats, yeah, but from the movie The Sandlot, whenever Benny puts oh, on yeah. PF Flyers... Yeah, I thought they were Converse, but yeah, I know. I mean, I know they're issue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed to make you run faster, jump higher. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just crazy. I, I was like, she's definitely going to know this. That <laughs> <laughs> was close. We were close. That so. was close, yes. Well, th that's all I have for you. I appreciate you letting me bug you a little bit here today, Coach Tayez, and kind of getting to know yourself before actually getting started here on campus a little bit later this week. But looking forward to Northwest Missouri State softball and what's around the corner. Alrighty, thank you so much. Thanks again to Naomi Tejas joining us here on Bearcat Rewind. Excited to see what she can do with this Northwest Missouri State softball program heading into her first head coaching job. In case you missed it, over the last few weeks, our guests have included Gene Steinmeier, former Northwest Missouri State head women's basketball coach, Kelly Quinlan and Nick Peters, a pair of trainers leaving Northwest Missouri State but left a big legacy and did so much for our student-athletes here. And also Bailey Blake and Heba Magoob, a pair of women's track and field athletes here at Northwest Missouri State and many, many more. So check out our old episodes of the podcast. Thanks to Alex Kurt, a professor here at Northwest Missouri State, for producing our intro and outro music. And thank you for listening to Bearcat Rewind. Please subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends about our podcast. I'm Matt Tritton. We'll talk to you again next time.